So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The force is strong and is with us always. And never forget. We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. of this moment the force is strong make ten men feel like a hundred I'll take the next chance and the next you're rebels aren't you You call it the Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Yo, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of The Bizzle cast, welcome back to some more Simi Climo and some more Bizzle's Daily Rebels. We're finally getting to season four, starting off with the Heroes of Mandalore with my girl, Sabini Bean, voiced by Tia Sirkar, and so much greatness in this amazing final season and what's arguably the best final season of any show I've ever seen. We'll get to that in a second in terms of expectations and execution. We're going to start off talking about a few uh, related topics, and then we're going to get you guys into the countdown for... Uh, uh, Heroes of Mandalore parts one and two, uh, season four, episode one and two, where we go back to Mandalore and see the weapons of mass destruction that Sabine created kind of by accident. Um, and uh, it's pretty complicated for a kid show, and, and that's why we love it, and that's why we love Star Wars. Simi, our Batman Begins commentary was great. Our Marvel uh, talk was uh, was interesting and wide-ranging, but I'm certainly glad to be getting back to you with Star Wars. So welcome back, Simi! Thanks for having me, dude. This is, this is, uh, I feel like we're putting our old coat back on, you know, lighting up the old pipe, getting the smoking jacket going and just, it's like our old hat. We've been running around all over the place with such a crazy summer. I think this is really going to hammer it home for the fall. You know, it's almost going to be that starting school again feeling. So I think, I think this is more appropriate, but I'm sure we're going to get into some more Marvel and Marvelicious things in the future and near future. That is absolutely. And I love what, how you describe that. It reminds me of, so me and my dad recently uh, rewatched the dark Knight, uh, which he had never seen um, somehow, uh, even though he loves Christian Bale, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Christopher Nolan, and basically everyone involved in the film on his new, he, he just got a new 110 inch 4k projector in his basement. So I was like, all right, dad, first thing we're watching is the dark Knight on 4k, a UHD. Uh, um, and then we watched The Winter Soldier, which was sort of the first MCU movie we saw together in theaters, and it was still our favorite. And even though we love Winter Soldier, we both came out being like, man, Dark Knight's still kind of the best comic book movie ever, even better than Winter Soldier, as, as awesome as it is. But there's a line towards the end, man, where they're getting ready for the final battle, and we find out Fury's still alive, and him and, and Anthony Mackie as Falcon are talking on, on the dam, and, and you know Anthony Mackie as Falcon's going, Cap, I, I know he's your guy, but I think he's gone, and sometimes... You know, it's they're just there's no coming back. This is the whole Star Wars redemption story, man. And the Russos on the Star Wars uh, show recently, um, the d- directors of Winter Soldier and the Avengers films said that they actually pitched the Winter Soldier uh, to Marvel as a Star Wars, a dark Star Wars esque uh, story, specifically in terms of the redemption uh, of Bucky uh, by Cap, um, par- paralleling Luke and Vader in particular, um, and th- how much they love Empire Strikes Back and informed everything that they've done. But you know. And Cap saying, uh, trust me, he's going to recognize me. I, I know it. I know it. 
and you know they're having a discussion and Cap just looks out into the distance after he has the flashback of him and Bucky in World War II before things went nuts and he went even when I had nothing I had Bucky and it just reminded me what you were just saying where I'm like even when I have nothing I have Star Wars and that sounds kind of pathetic <laughs> but it's also like a wonderful warm toasty blanket to curl up to where it's like when I don't want to do anything and even fun things like video games and television shows hold no interest to me, I can always put on Clone Wars, Rebels, or any of the movies and just pass the time and have a smile and have sometimes a cry, man. You know, like sometimes you need a cry as we've talked about before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, right. So even with nothing, we have Star Wars. We haven't done a ton of Star Wars stuff. I haven't done a ton of Star Wars stuff. You know, Simi, what's interesting is, you know, Marvel's announcements obviously have, have, at least for the moment, overshadowed uh, what, what, six months ago, you know, with Celebration, everyone was talking about Disney Plus in relation to The Mandalorian and The Clone Wars and The Cassian Show and so forth. Now everyone's talking about Marvel because Marvel's Marvel. But for me, no news is good news from the Star Wars camp. I think they have everything on lockdown and especially especially episode nine and Mandalorian and Clone Wars, which are the first three things that are coming out on film and television in the next year. So they're probably feeling really, really, uh, really uh, good about. Yeah, dude, I I think there's just so much going on, but for us, I I just am excited to, you know, get back into our rebels and really, uh, I mean, this is one of the best seasons, season four. So we have a lot to chip through here. And then, uh, you know, spoiler alert, we're, we're going to do Endgame pretty soon, folks, so that's going to be a lot of fun. But having to branch off during the summer, see other people, you know, get things going on in other places and then come back to our consistency, I think it's a good, I think it's a good plan. So, uh, so yeah. last we left our heroes, last, last we Go. left our heroes, uh, we were in the Mandalorian, well, I was actually going to let you fill that in. Well, I love if you did because I I listened today, man, to our Trials of the Dark Saber double episode, um, which was great, and we agreed pretty much that the, the first part, Trials of the Dark Saber itself, is basically a perfect episode, not only of Star Wars or animated television, but of television in general, and was the breakout party uh, for Sabine. And one question I want to ask you going forward today, man, is it seems like Filoni had everything planned out. He claimed they were wanting to do four seasons from the beginning. All the character development was perfect from the beginning, but the one thing that didn't really make sense until the end of the third season was was why they waited so long for Sabine to come forward and be a co-lead with Ezra. As we'll see in this season, man, she's at least a co-lead with Ezra, arguably, uh, uh, even slightly arguably more take, of a lead. Taking the lead as, like, his backstory isn't the main thing going on anymore, uh, and it becomes hers for this good chunk. It turns back to him at the end, mm-hmm. uh, be, being the true apprentice and, mm-hmm. and all, and all the, the Jedi shit. But it also, at the end, encompasses her as well. Like, they're both playing strong roles in leaders and also, I mean, I guess there's no, I was trying to think of a better way to say this, like, their arts. Like, no pun intended, because a lot of what Sabine does is she's also an artist, which plays a large role as we get to the end of the saga. So why don't I recap the little bit of recap that I did? Because, dude, if you can believe it, it was April when we did Trials of the Dark Saber. Um, so I'll, I'm going to recap the two or three important Sabine episodes before Trials of the Dark Saber. Then I'm going to throw it to you to talk about Trials of the Dark Saber for a minute. And then we'll save the rest for uh, the podcast. But really quickly, Simi, one thing we did talk about in Trials of the Dark Saber was how Sabine uh, is unusual for a lead young character because she's in her late 
teens, more like 19 than 14, maybe even like 20 or 21. And she's not really a Jedi, um, even though she temporarily has the Darksaber, as we'll see in this. Spoiler alert, she gives it up. Um, But she's not a Jedi. And Simi, in all of Star Wars movie history, uh, other than the Solo movie, there's only been one other lead character who's a fighter and not a Jedi. You know who that is. Finn? I'm Jin Erso, daughter of Galen and oh, Lyra. Right, right, right. So I, I never really I'm thought reason. about that. I'm like, huh, maybe my two favorite characters, Jin and Sabine, is not a coincidence, even though I love the Jedi stuff. And, and dude, as this season starts to tie directly into Rogue One, I mean, the next episodes after this are Saw Gerrera and Mon Mothma and so forth, pretty much right before Rogue One, and the stakes get darker, and the, you know, the Empire starts being even eviler and taking more control and so forth. I don't think it's a coincidence that they didn't just want to focus on um, uh, Ezra and Kanan, the Jedi. You know, they wanted to focus on Hera and Sabine, who are the rebels, right? Right, right. I mean, and that's more the, not everybody was a Jedi. That's the whole point. There aren't any Jedi. Like, so why are we focusing only on, you know, like the Jedi and the Bendu? Mm-hmm. So it's a whole other thing. Uh, so I joke really about- who was reading, who was leading the rebellion. So let's bookmark this for the actual podcast. But I, I, I've joked in the past about, while our Rogue One commentary is amazing, there's a couple times when you say something and I'm in my own world, probably just staring at Felicity Jones and or Diego Luna, and then say the same thing later. But the biggest example was you go on at an incredible articulate way early on about how Jin is the force even though she's not a force user she's fulfilling the will of the force consciously or subconsciously and the rebellion would have never happened without her and then I say like the same thing later as if like it had never been said before <laughs> it felt like a total asshole when I went back and listened to it I'm curious if you feel similarly about Sabine and or Hera or just in general about the rebels crew who are so influential on the cause even though most of them are, are non-Jedi why don't we bookmark that for the episode because that was well, a great point yeah I, I, just to sidetrack, yeah, I, I, I just finished Dune, and I'm doing it again. Uh, I'm reading it again, and you know they they run into various people who have Benny Gesserit powers as well. Excuse and they're like, me, and they're like, wait, back up. You finished Dune? Oh, my brother. Oh, we got to talk. Oh, you must see the Star Wars and Luke Skywalker connections in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see it. I see tons of different connections in tons of different places to tons of different movies. I'm very impressed, Timmy. I'm very impressed. But no, just how they talk about how like, oh, they are trained like a Mentat, only they, you know, they they don't have the training. They would have they would have been a very good seer like some of the Fremen if uh if they had the proper training but they don't have the proper training so they didn't so it's kind of the same thing that like and the same thing as um our blind friend our other favorite character uh in in rogue one the, the way they right, describe Damien's blind kanan's yeah, blind yep Damien, Damien. the way they describe Damien is and Kane. well kanan wait did Damien. you read dude messiah yet the second one i did all three so okay you know about the blindness then okay which is the blindness mm-hmm. at the end of Dune well, Messiah? Yeah, maybe not. There's three books, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So like, it's the, the last alert, Muad'Dib gets in a nuclear explosion towards the end of Dune Messiah and is blinded. 
And before he walks out into the desert to quote unquote kill himself, even though spoiler alert again, he comes back in Children of Dune as as the prophet in a different form. Uh, But he is blind and he's able to see through his twin children, who, by the way, a male female twins who are both children of the forest and part of the prophecy. (laughs) Sorry, George Lucas, you should admit it. (laughs) So maybe, so maybe I didn't read that one. I have to go back in. They called it book one, two, and three. But again, yeah, that's I, the first. That's the first it, novel. Sorry, I spoiled it for you. But it doesn't. It's not going to ruin the story because you don't. It, that's not the important part. So the, I, I believe. Yeah, I, I, I'll still read the other ones. But uh, you have for, just the first three. The second three are very bizarre and take place much further in the future. The first three are very specifically about Paul Atreides, aka Muad'Dib, and his two uh, twin children, Leto the second and uh, Gamina, um, uh, and, who are very you know Luke. Like imagine Luke Leia if Luke Leia knew who one another were throughout the trilogy. It's basically uh, how it is. They're still kids, but they have the same seeing through all the past, like the Bene Gesserit. They could see all the way, yeah. past, you know, blah 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 blah. Um, yeah, you guys to read two and three it's it's a brilliant brilliant dune messiah is very empire it's very dark it, at times it feels slow and then something crazy will happen it's very empire and then the third book is a big epic bringing it all together um when you figure out that like anakin and luke it's there's not just one chosen one it's sometimes the father and the children as well are the chosen ones um so highly recommended people out there if you love star wars read dune which was written more than 10 years before lucas wrote star wars he took a lot the desert planet the hesitant messiah um the force powers the whole thing am i the only one who still thinks that darth vader actually was the chosen one because he actually in the end does bring balance to the force well that's why dune is deeper because dune and you'll see this more in two but especially in three with the two twins who are still children in body but you know who are tens of thousands of years old in mind to discuss Mm. prophecy with each other and they they talk about how prophecy i mean you know even from the first book the bene gesserit seeded what they thought was a false prophecy in order to manipulate the fremen for a certain outcome muadib decides to go in a different direction and his kids decide to go in a really different direction um but the whole idea of the of prophecy is that it gets people to do stuff or they react against it or some combination and so anakin's the chosen one from a certain point of view luke's the chosen one from a certain point of view from a certain point of view prophecy is total bullshit um and uh you know i i think there's a world where if they weren't calling young anakin the chosen one and treating him like that from the beginning maybe he wouldn't have turned into vader but then maybe things wouldn't have turned out, you know, good in the very end or whatever. Dune keeps following that. Um, and, you know, and the, the biggest criticism of Dune, like with Matrix Reloaded, is that with each book, it gets more and more pedantic and straight up just philosophical talk. Um, uh, but I, I love that stuff personally. I'd be curious to see what you think um, of two and three. Yeah, I'll get into it. I'm still going back over the first one again just because it's really all over the place and there's so many things that are happening and it's very – it's written – not British. I guess like like British a little bit. Like it's old, you know? So like the words aren't like common necessarily. I'm so sure it's like, you saw hey, the Game of Thrones connections too with the houses and all the political maneuvering and everything. Oh, yeah, 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 totally, mm-hmm. totally. Yep. That's what I really liked about it. That was actually the more yep. interesting about how to – you know, which I told you, I told you that was the most interesting part was the political maneuvering. Right. Well, how to lead, you know, how mm. to lead and, and what is and, a leader and can you actually lead people and so forth? Yep. And do you do you, there's a fine line between manipulation and leading? Like, I think there's a great part where Paul says, 
his father is giving a speech, and he said he said it in just the right tone, uh, and even his even the the emphasis of the size uh, to show that he was tired, but not that tired, you know, and like which is like using the voice capital T capital V, but he did we know he wasn't a Bene Gesserit, but right. he was still able to control and manipulate people using his his actual voice, right. Right, because, it, you know, the right amount of authority, the right amount of uh, pitch, she says, that's often. And, um, yeah, I, it's a real interesting concept. But, and and you, could, you, could, uh, you could argue that, like, you know, people without power have those powers. Like, people without magical, you know, ability uh, have those sort of powers of persuasion. They just make it magical in this book. Well, and we, we'll get into this, but... That just triggered a thought, man, which is interesting, which is, it's interesting to think whether, let's put it this way, we know Leia didn't know about her parentage nor her force abilities until the very end of the original trilogy. It's interesting to think whether there was a passive force going through her that made her the most like charismatic person in the history of Star Wars and the leader of the rebellion. I don't think so. And one of the many reasons it's great that she doesn't know about or use force powers in the original trilogy is specifically that Leia is a superhero in every sense of the word without the force or without using the force, I should say. Yeah, exactly. It's well, like, is she more like Leto in terms of just being a super charismatic leader? Does she have some Bene Gesserit going on without knowing it? You know, right, right. No, there's a fine line. Um, and who knows? Maybe that's what this is. Like, maybe we're just, mm-hmm. you know, not as smart enough to manipulate it. <laughs> but but Leia was never the, uh, the speaker type. And that's what connects Jin, Hera, and Leia. Is not only are they the classic leader leaders of the rebellion at various stages, um, but all three of them led by example. None of them are great at giving speeches, and they don't even like giving speeches. But Hera, Jin, and Leia lead by example, and that's what makes them great leaders. Well, they're they're also better generals than than necessarily presidents or prime ministers. And they you know, know like, when to delegate. Jin knows when to delegate <laughs> to to Cassian. You know, Leia knows when to delegate to Luke Han and whoever and the generals. Um, and uh, and Hera knows when to delegate to Kanan in company, right. even Zeb and Ezra and Sabine, as we'll see. Right. Right. And that's Absolutely. what's great about this final season of Rebels is it's not that they never argue, but they're all on the same page and the stakes are so high now directly with Thrawn and the coming of the Emperor and so forth and Vader back in the picture. Um, and, and that, um, you know, they don't have time to bicker. Any disputes or arguments in this season are mostly just to loosen the tension between one another. That'll be a good lead into this episode. But they're mostly supporting one another, but they're all leaders in their own way. Zeb's a leader in his own way. Rex is a leader in his own way. Child is a leader in his own way. I mean, dude, you won't believe when we get to the Saw Gerrera episodes of Exit 3 and 4. Chopper saves the day almost the entire time through that double episode. Chopper's the one who's doing all the heavy lifting. It's great. Chopper. <laughs> who's your favorite droid? We've talked about this before. I know. Um, I know. It's probably Chopper, but just because they have so much time to flesh him out. Um, but I'm pretty sure, but it's K2's right there. And I think by the end of Cassian K2, if it's even 80 to 90% as good as I think it's going to be, it's going to definitely be K2. <laughs> Right, because K two has Chopper, C three PO, in a bunch of you know um, L three, and a bunch of the droids all wrapped up. R two D two, your bottom bitch. R <laughs> yeah, that's what I was getting at. A good old R two, R two. All right, buddy. All right. So here we go. 
Um, so the, really quickly, guys. So Sabine had some amazing episodes early on. Uh, let me put it this way. Sabine had some very good episodes early on having to do with her relationship with Hera and Kanan, who are p- parental figures to her, but her not totally trusting them or feeling like they don't totally trust her and they have some good bonding sessions. Then there's that great episode with uh, with Tetsu Men, um, played by Gina Torres, who, again, I think we will see in live action because she's gorgeous and amazing actress in real life, like Katie Sackhoff. Um, and her in, giving some backstory into sort of Sabine's sort of mixed past or whatever. Um, and then, of course, they loop Katsu back into the rebellion. But then, dude, in season two uh, with the Protector of Concord Dawn and season three with Imperial Super Commandos, that's where Fen Rao, which we need to talk about because Fen Rao is going to be in this. That's where they they capture Fen Rao. They make him their prisoner. But then when Fen Rao goes back home and sees the Emperor has burned his system to the ground for no particular reason, he converts and becomes one of the most important parts of of the rebellion uh, uh, with them and then but not until Trials of the Dark Saber and then the following episode Legacy of Mandalore where she goes home with her traitorous brother and mother um, does she see how bad things really are and now we're really going to see how bad things really are so your final thoughts thinking back to the Trials of the Dark Saber episode um, and, and Sabine in general and then we'll save the rest for the commentary uh, I, I just think it, there, there's a. It's very much a maturing process as she's thrown into this leadership because I do think, like Leia and like what we're getting at, is she's definitely more of a behind the scenes uh, person and getting the job done and someone who like clearly does the work versus necessarily like a like a like a like, like an actual mm. politico who's in the spotlight trying to you know earn some sort of. Uh, accolade like she's really just down to to just like do the missions and get the job done which is what a lot of these people are and then they're first forced into these roles of, of, of leadership which is what she is she's literally forced into the role of leadership but what everyone's convincing her throughout her training and everything is that she she already is a leader she can just be herself and you don't necessarily need to give a speech some leaders lead by example some leaders you know a couple of strong words and a, a good work ethic is enough for people to follow absolutely uh my final thought and i'll kind of send uh is even though ezra has some annoying moments in season one it was more about him uh just being written weirdly occasionally and they fix that in season two pretty quickly um but dude, after I mean Ezra, within an hour of the opening two-hour episode of the pilot of Rebels, is already an out-and-out good guy. And by episode four, when Kanan finally steps up to the plate and decides to train the kid and do, do what he needs to do, Ezra is pretty much straight-ahead good guy, like Ray style. He's a little bit more complicated than Ray, and he's younger, and he flirts with the dark side occasionally. But I, I, what I'm saying is. You could make the argument with much less screen time until this season that Sabine actually has a much wider, longer, and more complicated character arc, and Kanan as well. Whereas Hera and and Ezra are established as straight ahead good guys from the beginning. I don't know. I think if you look back at some of our stuff when we first started this, uh, uh, we, uh, we talk a lot about our question marks around Ezra. I think in retrospect, it's more clear. Uh, you know, kind of Captain Obvious at this point. But I think then I remember more so feeling like you just didn't know if one day he was just going to end up just like Vader. And we were both kind of like, well, why would they do like the exact fucking same storyline where, mm-hmm. you know, train like Obi-Wan and, and Anakin only just a different show? Like that didn't make any sense. So 
But there, I, I guess what I'm saying is, looking back when I was watching it and never seen it before, I do think I thought Ezra might go bad at any point because of him flirting with the dark side. I think, I think it was. I think he was dating the dark side for a little bit. It wasn't just a flirt. Absolutely, and and we will look in this episode and. Man, the great part about this season, other than it being unbelievable, is there's only 13 episodes. Uh, the first six are are three double episodes, and then it immediately it's all on Lothal, leading to, spoiler alert, Ahsoka and the world between worlds and everything going on on Lothal, and the final battle, and the Emperor coming back and so forth, or coming into the picture, I should say. Um, and so we don't actually have too many episodes to cover, so I'm excited to get through the season. But dude, they were very open about pushing... I mean, Ezra was already up front, but pushing Sabine up front in this season and seeing the maturing relationship, friendship, and, and just sort of military partnership between how effective Ezra and Sabine are together. I mean, they both think about joining Saw in episode three and four. They're the two taking the lead and making the bold decisions when we go back to Lothal. It was very specific to push Sabine up front uh, with Ezra. Um, and again, um, you know, in Star Wars, for the most part, Rey, Leia, Jin, and now Sabine, people in the Star Wars community, you know, obviously Rose Tico was, was mixed with some people, but for the most part, these lead female characters have been accepted and it hasn't been an issue. And Sabine has always been a fan favorite because of the bombs and the graffiti and the, and the snarky humor. Um, but I think everyone wanted her to come up front and be as complicated and interesting and funny and weird as Ezra. I think they accomplished that this season, man, but we will see. But my girl Sabine Mean Tia Sirkar, baby! Let's get this going, Simmy! Sounds good, buddy. All right, guys, so as usual, queue up to zero, zero, zero. I'm going to count from three to two to one. You're going to hit play. And just to make sure myself and yourselves are lined up with uh, me and Simi, uh, Simi's going to do a five count as we do in our Clone Wars and movie podcasts. Um, but it should line up pretty great. Um, I'm watching it on Amazon Prime. You're watching it where? Uh, Google Play. Cool. Um, and uh, I don't know if Simi and I will take a break between the two episodes, but you won't know because in the file we're going to count directly into the other one. So if you guys need to take a break, you can. You can pause it. But we are going to, uh, during the closing credits, immediately queue up the next one and count into it. Sound good, Simi? Yeah, man. When was the last time you saw this, out of curiosity? It's been a while. Okay. Probably uh, maybe a month or two. Mm-hmm. It's been a little bit. Okay. It's going to be a little bit surprising. I don't need to get into the awesome. episode. Awesome. All right, guys. So thank you so much for joining us. We apologize for the delay on Star Wars Rebels, but we're trying to bring you other content as well. Uh, but I think, Simi, by the time we're done these two, both you and I, especially with only 13 episodes, are going to want to try and burn through these sooner rather than later, especially because we've got to get back to Clone Wars, baby, for season five. <laughs> True that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, get queued up, get some subtitles, maybe a little ambient sound, and here comes the countdown. Three, All right. two, one, and play. One, two, three, four, five. All right, here we go, people. Beautiful shot in the desert. Only it's not a desert until recently. <laughs> so, Simi, did you know that they were setting th- this up and this was how the season was going to start? They were pretty open about it, but again, you don't follow that media much. Um, No, I did not know how There's exactly Fender. that this was going to be... Yeah. Like the main thing. There he is, Fenral. Great, one of the best side characters, maybe the best in the series. Not to be confused with Boba Fett, Jango Fett, who stole the armor and isn't a true Mandalorian. 
So again, Fen was following the Empire in his own little system, Concord Nun, man. And but he was an opportunist. He didn't really like the Empire, but he was like, the rebels are going to lose. They capture him. They go back. The rebel, the Empire had burned his system to the ground, suspecting that he had gone over to the rebellion, which he hadn't yet. But that causes him to go to the rebellion, man. That's what the rebels, the Empire keeps doing wrong. They drive people like him and Callus to the rebellion. They end up helping the rebellion. Just like Trump has been amazing for the liberal cause, we're not going to see it for a few years, but it, we will see it in a few years. They're so funny, the stormtroopers. The stormtroopers and the clones always seem so stupid to me in some of these. You know what's so great? Okay, right off the bat. Oh! That's bad. <laughs> Here we go. So, you know, the hardcore fans say the battles in this two episodes are nowhere near the clone battles but you can't look at it that way that's not what this is about this is this is clan warfare this is like braveheart this is pretty badass they're just uh, diving right they're diving right into it other than what, learning post return of the jedi lore sammy we're very excited to see john favreau execute iron man 2.0 with the jetpacks yeah seriously he's like i've done this before and it, you watch 2008 you're like iron man still looks amazing in 2008 Unlike Ezra. It doesn't look like he's done this before. <laughs> uh, I can tell you right now, they're going to make the jetpacks much bigger, and they're going to make it more like an exo suit than this, the, like the little dinky things they got on. But dude, for Disney XD, I mean, it works. And actually, if you want it to be more maneuverable than fast, this is how you would do it. Oh, baby. Oh, yeah, dude. This is great. And remind me, this is... Uh, have they... Have they, like foiled the weapon already that she created she talked about in the dark saber and they've they've okay so they've talked about before and they openly talked about in the dark saber that she had created weapons for the empire yes they've been right. talking about it since the beginning okay so but we don't find out what it is and how it works and even though it's a little bit of a conceit about how it targets mandalorian's armor and so forth as we'll see it actually makes it more brutal because it's that's genocide it's targeted genocide. Mm-hmm. And this is... This. Guys, I love Marvel. I love the Avengers. But these two episodes are more mature in terms of dealing with death and genocide than anything Marvel has done ever. Yeah, Marvel kind of like stumbles around through it versus these people like know what's going on. We turned everyone to sand. Just kidding. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, cool. it's like serenity to find interesting oh god oh god we're all gonna die <laughs> exactly this the walkers look great the walkers look great dude next uh, three and four was saw we get death troopers animated it looks amazing that's always the cool one the one shot you get oh shit don't go so after like Sabine, in, dude. dude, so like in uh, Marvel, and I'm talking about the comics, not just the movie, in comic book movies, you can get hit by lasers over and over again. You get shot by one bullet, you die, but you get hit by lasers over and over again. <laughs> Unless it's a lightsaber. Oh. Uh-oh, we're in trouble. Awesome. Didn't you, don't you agree with me, though, dude, that the, the, the biggest problem with Endgame was those end, it ended up being lack of stakes for two Avengers movies because almost everyone other than Black Widow and Iron Man come back to life? 
Yeah, it just kind of looked, and I do like that. I like the ending about how he actually, how Tony Tony was kind of supposed to die either way. So I think I like that he's the one who actually does it in the end. Dude, your boy Doctor Strange is going to be responsible for turning the Scarlet Witch crazy, which is what's going to kill the X Men, and that's what, how they're going to reintroduce the X Men back into the uh, the movies. And they're calling it a horror movie because the little worlds that they go to are going to be fucking scary. It's a PG thirteen. Kevin Feige even uh, made fun of the fact that all their movies are PG thirteen, and there's even rumors they want to try and make Deadpool PG thirteen, and then they'll really alienate the fan base. Let's get back here. You don't have to put ratings on Star Wars, dude. It's adult no matter what. There's nothing they've done that isn't, you know, deep on an adult level. It's like Pixar in that Pixar movies are successful because adults enjoy them on one level and kids enjoy them on the other. The difference. Right. Oh, okay. Here we go. Here we go. Tia Sirkar, my girl. Big crush, but before there was ever Sabine and Tia Sirkar, there was Kara Thrace, a.k.a. Starbuck on Battlestar Galactica 2003. I started watching around 05, 06. I was like, who is this girl? There she is, baby. Bo-Katan, Katie Zakoff. Rest oh, in peace, Satine. Obi-Wan's woman. That's Arguably the best love story is. in all of Star Wars by far is Satine and Obi-Wan. I, I could ar- make that argument. I mean, but yeah. Other than Ray and Kylo, obviously. Just kidding. But, but I think I think you're still underestimating um, Padme and Anakin's because of how go. bad those movies were. You know, right? But, the, but yeah, I would argue Anakin and Padme are way better in the Clone Wars. Um, okay, so here, here it is, dude. This is huge. Sabine never wanted this thing in the first place, and then she was they sort of forced her to take it in Darksaber, but then she unloaded all of her feelings. And dude, after the Darksaber, when she almost kills Kanan, or it looks like she's, you know, she's hovering over him and screaming about how, ba- how many people she hurt and so forth, she is on a mission now. She's fully an adult. They've chopped her hair. She's even going to get the color out in a few episodes, as great as it is. I mean, she, she is a, a full woman, uh, by the end of the season, in a way where Ezra is still a boy. However, I do like that they cut his hair too, and he looks more mature. Well, that got chopped after age- three, but they age him again a little bit here, which was smart. He's able to comfort his friend, though. Any making fun of each other it, it, between these two of the season, Sammy, is to just loosen the tension, basically. They're they're totally on the same page in a way that Kanan and, and Hera actually are not. Isn't it crazy that she has that owl like that 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 like follows um, Ahsoka around on her armor? Yeah, I want to get back to the armor design really quickly though. She's talking about how the planet didn't used to look like this, but it started to look like this before she was born. So lore wise, she can't be older than 20 because this is about 25 to 27 years after the fall of the Republic. Um, so they went after Mandalore early and often. We saw in the Clone Wars, you know, and we know from the literature, we're going to find out more in the Mandalorian man, how devastated Mandalore is indeed, which was once the third great empire along with the Sith and the Jedi. I do love how like the women are all the fighters and the like the her father's the politician. Like you almost expect you obviously you obviously expect it to be the other way around, but not in their tribe, you know. So yeah, another Star Wars teenage lead from a desert planet. Gotta love it. Thank you, Frank Herbert. How about I don't know 
Desert Planet? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. There's Hera looking worried but in charge. I can't wait till we get our first Twi'lek superhero in the films. It's going to look amazing. I hope so. I worry about that. (coughs) Well, she's not a Twi'lek. No, but they're related. The the Togertas. Because they both have the Lekus? No, no, like, as different species in the galaxy, like, if you think of Star, Star Trek, there's some species that are somewhat related, like the Romulans and the, and the, uh, and the Vulcans. Vulcans. And Which is actually enemies. an excellent comparison, because the Romulans are the warlike side of the Vulcans, and the Vulcans are the peaceful Buddhist side, which is basically Ahsoka's people who are very in touch with nature, the Togurtos versus the warlike Mandalorians. Boom. Oh, so you never got to season four of Battlestar. My dad never got to season four of Battlestar. But the best part by far of season four of Battlestar, it's not even close other than Kitty Sackhoff losing her mind, is the Roslyn-Adama relationship. And they finally embrace it, even though they've both hit rock bottom in different ways. Oh, I didn't love that. You didn't watch it. No, I did. I just haven't finished it. Well, three episodes until you left. see the final five minutes oh. of the final episode, I don't want to talk to you about it. So go ahead. That's fair. Yeah. But I, it is nice to see mature relationships that's not just teenage love, right? Because any movie or TV show with teenage love, you're like, well, they're probably going to break up a week after the show or movie ends, right? <laughs> exactly. But they don't know it. <laughs> like when we were at camp and in high school, man, you know, we saw our romances as like so big and momentous. But you look back and you're like, we were just a bunch of idiot kids. Yes and no. I would say that I had more significant relationships when I was younger than when I was older. Well, try, right. There, there's a there's a earnestness and truthfulness about relationships about kids and, and teenagers. I agree with that. I think it's I think it's easier to see the parallels what you think you may want when you're younger because what you want is at some level kind of superficial because you don't really understand what you're going to need when you're older. Yeah. Um, and then you know when you're older, it's more cut and dry. So. I guess I, I guess I <laughs> Jimmy Smith. I always think sorry. I always think that's Bail Organa for a second. <laughs> You're so racist just because he's brownish. No, because of the facial hair and the eyebrows. It's probably the same like start. And yes, because they're brownish. Pretty, yeah, they probably it's probably the same start. You know, what well, I, mean? I like, asked you if the almond shaped eyes of Sabine, her brother Tristan, and her mom, and now the dark, you know her dad, the slightly bigger eyes, was a racial trait. We didn't really have an answer for it the last time we, we saw them. Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> Uh, she is such a BA. But again, like with Jin, I like her because of how complex and funny she is, and not just because she's a BA. I love that she did. That was a paint bomb, by the way, not a bomb bomb, because she didn't want them to to crash because her dad's on the convoy. That's pretty cool. So, Simi, I've been accused lately of uh, talking too much about female badasses. I won't say from whom. Uh, Jedi Geek Girl? No, she loves that shit. Are you kidding me? Come on. Oh, your father? Nope, nope. <laughs> my dad loves that shit, too. I don't Dude, know. My, fa- my dad's two, like, two favorite shows, basically, are Vikings and uh, Orphan Black, which are both female leads. Huh. Well, what about Peaky Blinders? He loves Peaky Blinders. Yep. We all, we all have a crush on Killian Murphy. It's fine. It's just, but I was going to say, dude, I, I crush online about, you know, Hemsworth and Evans and stuff all the time. I'm like, I, yeah. 
I, I love this. I'm sorry. Yo. I'm not sad about Spider-Man, guys. I said it. I don't care. We have so many good superheroes. Who cares about Spider-Man? I love it. And he's blind. He just took out an entire convoy oh. by himself. Oh, that was a crazy shot coming straight out the camera. The art on this is incredible. Right. The thing people didn't like was when they just went side to side with the two sets of... But it's like, remember in Rogue One, I told you people complained about the lack of size of the ground battle, and you were like, dude, that's the whole point, is it's an infiltration. I'm like, I know, I try and tell people that. They're like, it should have been a, you know, Hoth-level battle. I'm like, you realize there's ten times as many people in the final (laughs) Rogue One battle than Hoth. Oh, no. I don't know. I specifically didn't want that after watching The Clone Wars, which I loved but was exhausting. Go grab your lightsaber, dude. You you notice how they never, like, show a shot of the stormtrooper, like, grunting after they get thrown to, like, show that they're still alive? It's up to the viewer to decide. Kanan has never had a problem killing people. Obi-Wan doesn't have a problem killing people. We know Obi-Wan doesn't have a problem killing people. I love Chopper. I love him. Chompers, I mean, the problem, the thing with K2, man, I've said it, and I'm going to say it again, it's important, especially with casting coming up next year, or, or a year and a half, is, oh yeah, baby, straight from Return of the Jedi, excellent, um, is K2 is so much like a member of the crew, you forget he's a droid sometimes, so you can't really compare, in my mind. You're he's, right. He's an equal, he's second in command, and Cassian treats him like an equal. And even though I was, I said, who's your favorite droid? In my mind, I was thinking between Chopper, R2-D2, and BBA. They shouldn't I, I be called droids. I mean, the little ones should be droids. The big ones are, you know, I don't know, like uh, cyborgs, AI cyborgs. By the way, dude, I don't know if you agree with me. So that you, we talk about K2 is a pre-programmed Imperial droid. I don't think they reprogrammed him to be pro-rebellion. I think they reprogrammed him to have be free will, and he chose to join the rebellion who freed him. That's, He's way too independent thinking, thought. and it doesn't make sense for the Rebellion to create an army of robot slaves after the Clone Wars. This is hilarious. <laughs> Not Wither, Wither, just friends with her. Yeah. Dude, the best is when Kanan meets Hera's... We never did the episode. I've done it. When Kanan meets Hera's dad for the first time, he's so nervous. He introduces everyone with the wrong names. He's, like, trying to impress them like a boyfriend. It's so cute. That's funny. Especially because Hera hates her dad at first, and he tries to betray them, and she's suspicious of him the whole time. But he's like, you know, he's laughing at all of the dad stories and kissing up to him. It's great. And Hera's so angry at the whole thing. I remember that. Because let's be honest, your girlfriend who you really like is like, I hate my dad. I just want you to know. And you're like, "Uh uh-huh. And as soon as you meet the dad, you're going to start kissing up to him, right? I mean, you can't help yourself. Right. And of course, they come together and Shams Abdullah joins the cause. And dude, that's what's going on with this extended group of Mandalore episodes that's not explicit. You have to read into it is that the Rebellion is trying to recruit Mandalore. But the only ones who can do it are Sabine and her friends who have experience with this, with Fenrau. They needed Fenrau, who is an insider and a senior. But Correct. dude, ultimately, up uh, well, here they needed, he is. They need another. Great bad guy, Gar Saxon. Gar Saxon. Total Nazi. I mean, he looks straight out of the old, like, uh, you know, like... Mein Kampf. Yeah. Hitler Youth. Yeah. 
blonde, right. almost white blonde, including his eyebrows, chiseled to the point where he doesn't even look human, blue eyes that are almost clear. I mean, it's the Aryan stereotype. Lucas has never shied away from this. And not to mention he's wearing red and black. <laughs> I will say, though, one thing I credit J.J. Abrams and fucking Ryan Johnson, man, in the new Saga movies is they've made it clear that there are people of color and women in the in the Empire. And they do that in the cartoons, too, and that's important. By the way, there are more interesting female bad guys in Rebels and Clone Wars than any of the movies uh, from, you know, from... Um, uh, from the governor this season to uh, the various inquisitors, the Sarah Michelle Qu- uh, Sarah Michelle Geller inquisitor. Um, uh, um, what's her, um, Sarah Michelle been- Geller is one of the inquisitors. Yeah, she's the seventh sister. Really? She's the one that looks like yeah. Uh, doesn't sound like her at all. She has amazing voice no. work. Um, That's kind of like how I love Rocket is uh, Bradley Cooper. Every time I hear him talk, I'm... Asajj Ventress? Asajj Ventress is arguably a top three Star Wars villain and definitely the best female Star Wars villain. Oh, that was fine. Okay, the first time I saw this, Simi, I I rolled my eyes because this was such obvious character building, but in repeat watchings, hearing Sabine and her dad in the middle of this apocalypse argue over art styles is, is... I can't even believe it that they tried this. It's great. Well, I love like the intellect is just well-rounded too. That like she's, she's a fighter. She's an artist. She's a historian. She's an art historian. Like she's literally like a, Oh, that was a great line. Sorry, Timmy. Sorry. Sorry. Ezra goes, now I know where he, she gets his create, her creative side, meaning her dad, but he says, no, she gets her creative side from her mom in terms of destroying things and building bombs, which is kind (laughs) of out of respect, but kind of criticizing her because like Satine, her dad is a a pacifist. Right. No, Donnie, these men are cowards. (laughs) Oh no, wait, that's nihilist. They're nihilist, dude. They don't believe in anything. Look at this. They're standing still, but there's just enough movement. You can see they're animating every shot. They're splitting hairs. The hardest part about watching an- good, even good anime, man, like Ghost in the Shell, is you have to get used to static shots for long periods. That's part of the art form. It's true. Here it is. Oh, are we there already? Oh, yeah, we're there. So, Simi, we thought what she did was bad... But it turns out she built a genocidal level weapon. Seriously. Again, an incredibly brave and powerful performance from Tia Sirkar in a sound booth with Filoni staring at her. So this is what I was asking you at the beginning, like when we started this episode, if this had happened yet. <laughs> so part of my argument for Sabine we having a more complicated story is Ezra's lack of knowledge about his parents and then end up being killed as part of the cause is heartbreaking, but then he moves on by the end of season one and Lethal is just everyone versus the bad guys here. Sabine's family on so many levels caused these problems. That's immediately interesting to me. I like how just at that moment, like Ezra figures out how to use the pack. So it doesn't take away from the traumatic. Oh my God. Look at this. Bo-Katan with the red hair and the freckles. Oh, yeah, Katie Sackhoff. She's such a badass. I love Katie Sackhoff. I wish they would have made her look a little bit more like Starbuck, though. Yeah, well, I think they'll make her look like Starbuck when she shows up, even though they're not saying it, in The Mandalorian Season 1 or 2. 
People love Katie Seinkoff, dude. She's popular. She just released a sci-fi horror movie on Netflix that got one of the worst reviews ever on Rotten Tomatoes and is one of the most watched shows of the last two months. <laughs> this is incredible. Look at they this. Really- Marvel, give me your version of this, Marvel. Seriously, for once, once, give me your version of this. Maybe we'll see it in the shows, man. Maybe that's where the, the, the mature stuff is going to be is the shows with Marvel. Possibly. I like how they didn't like go right in that they like kept going with the, the music. somber the somber music. Yeah, they're not doing the um they're not doing the <laughs> Oh man, yeah. dude. Oh man. But dude, what's great as we're gonna see is Sabine is the only one that hates herself. She's like Jessica Jones during this situation. Jessica Jones hates herself. For, for all the wrong reasons, she's not responsible for the things she hates herself for. And, and everyone else, you know, wants to get behind her. Uh, Sabine goes through that much more quickly, in, you know, in, the, in the, these two episodes. But I think it's important but believable at this point, man, that none of her crew or family are going to blame her for this because they know the truth. Well, doesn't her mother blame her originally right now? Well, we'll get no, it. no. Her mom in last season when she tries to betray them or betrays them, and but then joins them, I guess, accuses her of stirring up trouble by joining the rebels. That's that her accusation, not this. Right. They right. sent her to this academy, dude. Oh, right. We're yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They they wanted her to be an academy. But she was, she's Oppenheimer, dude. This is an Oppenheimer story. This is exactly, they're like, hey, smartest guy in the world, why don't you theoretically create a nuclear weapon for us? But we're not really going to use them. And then, you know. So let's say I break a code. And that code, I don't know, <sighs> gives you <laughs> Matt Damon. Yeah. Good will hunting. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. All right, uh, guys, we're going to count you into the next episode right now. If you need to take a break, do so. If not, here comes a countdown. 0402. Ready, Simmy? Yeah. Do the five count? Yeah. Three, two, one, and go. One, two, three, four, five. And last time we left our heroes. In the apocalypse on a children's show on Disney XD. You're welcome, America. Surrounded by incinerated oh, and, corpses. In the apocalypse caused by not only our good guys, but our youngest and most relatable character. People were punished for being intelligent. So, I'm not saying part, that our book was great because Katie Sokoff grew up a sci-fi fan with her dad, who she talks about a lot, who died young, but they have, she has a lot of memories. Um, she wanted to be on Star Wars so badly, man. She was so pumped to be in this role. Here it is. This is a continuation of the Darksaber. Self-hatred. Almost word for word. Now it's not as bad because her mom's not dead. So as I've mentioned, both her mom and her brother Tristan are also Indian, either English or Indian American in real life, which was kind of cool, I guess. They definitely wanted to make it like a different race, like a people. But her, the, sadly, they just made them look like white people. Her father, um, her, the character, I'm sorry, the actor who voices her Sabine's father is himself from uh, Japan or Japanese-American. So he's Asian. Okay. He is from Asian descent. So there we have, well, isn't, 
And even Fenral, who's played by, uh, I believe, a Brit named Kevin McKidd, is putting on almost like a slightly Asian accent. It's a, it's a nice choice. He's Scottish. Huh. Uh, Sabine's angry. Simi, you won't like Sabine when she's angry. <laughs> no, apparently she knows how to devise ma- weapons of mass destruction. So, so no. in, in, in Dark Saber, I said she's their best fighter pound for pound, and then I corrected herself myself and said she's just their best fighter, period. In which... Like, the way that Black Widow and Gamora are the best hand-to-hand fighters, like, just pure fighters, not, like, superpowers, like, force stuff here, like, just straight fighters, Ezra is never oh, okay. as good as Sabine, and he knows that. That's why he follows the only her reason why he, The only reason why he would be able to beat her ass is because he could, like, mm-hmm. suspend her in the air, you know, with the force. You know what else you didn't comment on, man, uh, in the Darksaber episodes, not here? Ezra never, for a second, is like, oh, I don't want her to have a saber, too. Um, no. in, con- in fact, he's constantly trying to help her even when she doesn't want the help. He is, though, when he is helping her at first, he is coming from a cocky place of, I can do this. You know, like, this is something I can do. So and I've said this before, that- but, you know, Dave Filoni always had his actors in the studio live when he could together, and he cultivated a relationship with all them. He wouldn't tell them anything, including the dialogue ahead of time, but they would record in the afternoon. They'd come in in the morning, and Dave Filoni would just talk for four hours about his vision for the episode and then give them the dialogue or whatever, and they could ask any questions they wanted to uh, about it at that point. So it was a whole day family process. So that's why it feels like a family semi, and that's why it feels like live dialogue, because it mostly is live dialogue. Um, but on top of that... Except when they do the special characters. Right. Well, yeah, but with Sarah Michelle Geller, who's married to Freddie Prinze, I'm pretty sure Freddie Prinze... Uh, um, if Dave Filoni and if the, all the men there have as much of a crush on Sarah Michelle Gellar as I do for life, I would have wanted to be there too if I was any kind of relation to that project. When Sarah Michelle Gellar was doing the Seventh Sister and like flirting with Ezra bizarrely is great. I was thinking um, more so like uh, yeah. uh, when Palpatine did his. I don't know if he showed up with everybody else, and I don't know if uh, I don't know if. Um, uh, Saul Guerrero was also, you know, there with everybody else. Uh, by the way, you, while it was controversial to some people, mm. the opening episodes of season three of Battlestar, where they're on New Caprica, and Katie Sackhoff is in the horrible dollhouse where she's being held against her will by Leobin who's trying right. to, to mate with her, basically did Jessica Jones like ten years before Jessica Jones is Jessica Jones. With the paintings and everything? Right, right, right. With the mind rape. Rape being a, a mental thing. Oh, here we uh, go. Right. Here we go. Are they watching video of it? Yeah. That's fucked up. I believe this is Ray Stevenson, who's in Thor in a ton of movies. That's pretty awful. Have you noticed while there's some weird vocal performances in Rebels and Clone Wars, nobody ever mails in a performance, ever. Even if they're a tiny side character. Effective, yes. I almost Drive sounded like French. So oh, I almost sounded French. This, of course, is uh, Matt Mickelson's bra. He plays Thrawn. Lars. Simmy, so you know what I never thought of, and that's why I love doing these commentaries until about an hour or two ago. 
was the, the the parallel between Sabine and Galen Erso creating super weapons against their will, but also against their knowledge. Yeah. So remember, uh, Galen Erso was not much older than Sabine when he was initially befriended by young um, Krennic. Thrawn isn't scary that he's going to, like, punch you. Mm-hmm. Thrawn's scary is, like, he's going to cut each one of your toes off one by one, one day at a time. I think Thrawn would mess with that. He would have someone else do that. He believes in uh, just pure domination. He, he he doesn't torture for fun. The way even the emperor likes torturing people for fun. Thrawn, that's the thing, dude. If Thrawn had had the foresight to overthrow the emperor and become the emperor, the, the good guys would be totally screwed. He's way smarter than everyone in the galaxy, including the emperor, and that's not surprising to me because he is from another galaxy. He's way more practical. He's not from our galaxy. He's from a galaxy where his species is like billions or millions of years old. So why is he here? And that's the question. I don't know. In the Thrawn books, he meets up with Anakin Skywalker. I don't know what the fuck. And is he dead? Oh, yeah. Here we go. Here's the confrontation. We needed this. Two strong women, man. Not highlighting the fact that they're women, just beating the shit out of each other. Like in Battlestar, another great thing about Battlestar. <laughs> I mean, Racetrack, Starbuck, Cat, they all hate each other and are like constantly hitting or threatening to hit each other. And the women are totally in charge in Battlestar. They are here, too. She swears. Look at her. Uh, I don't like that they, uh, they... This is interesting, too. This is like right. a this, incredible this is, You have to ask this question, though. Because this is the... Why did Jin leave the USB drive in the cave with Sagarera? And, like, for that matter, why, like, Bobo Fat has his own Stop. Fucking, no Bobo Fat. Let's stop talking about Bobo Fat. I don't, I don't like Bobo well, Fat. Well, no... No, it's really just because of the armor. That's it's the whole stupid. point. Like, he sucked it, in the well, originals. It. Like, he sucked in the new ones. Cool armor. The armor is so cool that everybody, even like people who love this movie, is in the seventies and the eight or in the eighties. You know, all even those people, they're like, oh, he looks so cool. That like, what's the deal with the armor? You know, unless like, he's not, portrayed like, there's by no content. There's no content in it at all. It's he's Phasma. He's Phasma. He's Phasma from the seventies. That's the thing. Right. Right, he's literally just like a really cool McDonald's superstar. Fazma does more than Boba Fett. Right, absolutely. She's and, and I love. Here her. we go. I mean, uh, Game of Thrones. Right. So here's the thing, man. Now everyone who's pro Empire hates Sabine, but also everyone who's anti Empire hates Sabine because the secrets out about her genocidal weapon. So they sell the turn of her mom from being a betrayer to an ally solely through writing and performance in, in siege of, in the, in the dark saber episodes. She's so ready to give in to the empire. And the fact that, that, the, you know, that Gar Saxon betrays her and then suddenly she becomes a morally good guy is the thing that makes the least sense. But when you add in Bo-Katan to the picture, man, who Sabine dude, Simi, we never even got through it. The very like first full scene in this series of episodes was her trying to give the dark saber already to Bo-Katan and Bo-Katan saying, no, so let's go through her list of credentials. Um, artist, scientist, fighter, amazing politician, uh, fi- pilot, amazing leader. pilot, amazing hand-to-hand fighter, amazing gun fighter. She's an entire. I mean, she is more skilled as a human being all around than anyone in this room. Which is why they need to be complicated, like Jin. 
You know what? I might even argue that they put too much into her and not enough into another character. Like, they could, like, I, I disagree know. only because other than uh, the, that early episode or two with Hera and Kanan and then the, the Fenrau two episodes, like there's four Sabine episodes, Sammy, in seasons one and two, literally. There's only four she's Sabine episodes. Literally, she's literally a crossbreed between like Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci and like Genghis Khan. Right, but what does she mostly stop doing after these first couple episodes is graffiti and bombs, and she focuses on being a leader and a fighter. But the graffiti and the bombs are a are a They're part of her identity diet. and that is the brilliant They're move. A diet or a locale version of what she really is is a, a master scientist and a master artist. You know what I mean? So building bombs Well, don't, not her dad. Her dad thinks her art is coming along nicely, but she has a long way to go, which is funny. You're right. Well, but he's a clear art critic. Here she is. So, dude, Ezra had been the sort of strike leader for a while, but they realized Sabine should be the strike leader as this season goes on. And that's an obvious move, just logistically within the show. God, they do eyes so well. I don't know how they do it. It's very simple, but they seem alive. They're more lifelike than uh, in in Clone Wars. Or Pixar, or anything Pixar, yeah. They're they're too dominant and they're not um, true to form of the face. Like if we look well, like the that, Clone Wars faces are supposed to be chiseled and hard angled. It, it's stylized right. like more like anime. Dave Filoni did that very intentionally with the Clone Wars. Right. At first, I didn't like this animation, and then I, I, well, I believe any good animation um, in, in, in modern movies, you just have to get used to it. So it just and, and actually watching Clone Wars and then watching Rebels really made me experience that idea. And, you know, I'll have people who, like, I keep recommending the Spider-Man movie to, and they're like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, well, Spider-Verse is a real, first of all, it's very, it's a very good movie. But they're like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to watch a cartoon. And I'm like, give it 15 minutes. Simi, you know, she named it the Duchess. She named the weapon after Satine. She called her the Duchess. Yeah. The ultimate pacifist. Satine was stupidly a pacifist, even though we respect her. And she calls this genocidal weapon the Duchess. Amazing. Such a Satine. That's great. Uh, also, I wanted to point it out, Fen Rao's snarky line. I can't help but notice that the weapon core is not here. That's a very Weedon-esque like, Firefly line. Another reason I love Rebels more than Clone Wars is I just like the, you know, uh, smuggler, uh, roguish crew out on the fringes, you know, doing stuff. Even though they joined the Rebellion, I guess, pretty early on. They're still doing their own thing. Small crew. Making jokes. You know who Fen Rao is kind of like, uh... uh in Dune, the um, the the guy, the the main uh, battle guy, uh, gu- um, not gu- what's his name? Give me context. Uh, what are you talking about? Here it is. The Here's guy the, weapon. the best, the best fighter that yeah. that that leaves that that joins Paul later. Oh no! Trains him. Oh man, lightning just like Emperor Palpatine. I actually like the weapon the small. Always the Star Wars weapons are, you know, ginormously ginormous. I like how this weapon is actually pretty small. Because nuclear bombs are pretty small and can blow up entire planets. 
he's such a Nazi. He's and he literally has like a swastika on his like left shoulder right now. Literally like a swastika. Well, that's what was so ironic about the popularity of Star Wars in the late 70s, early 80s, was that both the liberals and conservatives saw themselves in the rebels and saw the other side as the evil empire. The conservatives saw the Russians as the evil empire. The liberals also saw our own conservatives as evil empire, which is actually what Lucas intended, being a big liberal, as you and I know, politically. He's extremely progressive. So it wasn't a coincidence they were all white, clean-shaven, and mostly Aryan-looking. I am the Empire. Right? This is the thing. Palpatine is always grooming replacements to himself. Oh, Gurney Halleck. Oh, Gurney. He's like Gurney Halleck in that. Dude, Gurney's in two and three, man. Gurney's in definitely book three. He gives he gives uh he gives her credit. Like he's like, I'm rolling with this. I'm Gurney's like, I'm with Paul. You know, so why if I like why wouldn't if he's not on uh, Atreides, why? Why well, would he's I with not Jessica be going with... forward? Right. Well, that's a... oh, right. That's a whole other thing. But no, no, not like yeah, that. Like, but wow. like he ends up surviving among very few of the Duke's people, other than his son, ends up right. surviving right. with Jessica. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That he, his character is kind of like he survived, and then he's also like joining who he f- thinks is like the true king if all right you will. let's hold on by, by let's, we've got time to talk dune connections again afterwards let's talk this about the la- a- this is all action anyway so no i, mean, I know like, but i want to talk to you about what you think of the action this looks amazing i mean, oh, man. I mean they, would they spend two million dollars an episode on these ones no like half a mil Really? That's it? Mm-hmm. On these ones? I thought on the other ones were cheaper. I thought the average is half a mil. I, I had heard Clone Wars was a million and Rebels was half that. That's what I've generally heard. It, I don't know if it's, that's a thousand percent true. Look, this looks great, though. But, dude, when you have access to Disney's equipment in studios, that's already money in the bank. Like, they don't include the fact that they have access to the Pixar Studios equipment, you know, video compression stuff. That's not in the budget, so... Yeah, and actually, a lot of the characters are a lot of the teams are wearing this. It's the exact same guy. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's the exact same model. That, well, that was my initial hang up on Rebels. Just- I always love the characters. I always love the writing. The Pixarness of it threw me off, and I'm like, actually, this is way better than Pixar visually as well as everything else. I'm in. Like it's literally like Mandalorian armor, stormtrooper armor, and then that's it. That's it. Here it is. She's lied before with her schemes. She's so smart and, d- and complicated. This is Leia, dude. Leia's ruthless in the comics. I wish you'd read some of the, the mainline Star Wars comics that take place between episode four and five. Leia is so ruthless. Luke and Han can't believe how ruthless Leia is. I love how they're like, okay, you man the weapon. Like, like this is like the idiot, like telling the plan at the end of the movie so that he's like you're gonna die anyway so i'll tell you what i'm gonna do yeah, on initial viewing i had the same reaction <laughs> as the star wars uh, super nerds which was the battle seemed a little small for the, the the scale of the conflict and this ending is a little too convenient but then you realize you want to pay attention to the dialogues and characters more than this stuff and it doesn't really matter because Sabine needs to win, outsmart them, turn the weapons against the evil people so she's not just a genocidal killer 
and you know start in her mind as Black Widow constantly talks about you know erasing the red from her ledger. Even if we, you and I can see she shouldn't really have any blame for any of this, but in her mind she's to get rid of the red in her ledger. Actually, there's Did some good know? Black Widow connections. Widow too was trained as an evil person, you know, <laughs> against her will. Don't you think those characters look a little like um, V for Vendetta mask? The one that just shown uh, like two seconds ago that was driving oh. the... Uh, chills. End of V for Vendetta. Pure chills. I love V for Vendetta. Matrix 4 is happening, baby! Woo! Is it really? It's definitely happening with Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss. That's, um... I know what they're going to do, too. I'm going to make my predictions later. Uh, they haven't released any information, but I know exactly what they're going to do. When does it take place? Uh, that's like, right. We can talk four? later. I have. I'll tell you. I'm going to predict it now, and you're going to be like two years from now. You're like Bizzle. You're a genius. Ooh, will the future Mandalor be one of honor or cowardice as he's getting electrocuted? This is important, man. This is important. Good guys, you cannot torture bad guys unnecessarily. If you have to torture right. a bad guy briefly to get information or here teach them a lesson. But you can't torture them unnecessarily. And this is Sabine in so many ways breaking with the bad parts of her past. That's uh, Katie's saying, sorry, hold but, on. Bo-Katan is saying, you didn't have a choice before to not do something bad. Now you have the choice. Oh, that's a great shot with her with the saber and her with the gun. Oh, yeah, baby. Dude, you have to admit, though, the end game when the female Avengers team up in the final battle, that might be the best part. It Here is. We go. I was... I remember I wanted to tell you about that when I had yeah. seen it. And you All had, my friends and wrote like, me oh, after no. I saw it, and they were like, we thought of you with female adventures. I'm like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Here we go. Hitler's lackey, you motherfucker. They could be dead, man. Again, once again, killing bad guys. Amazing. Amazing. I love how he threw him that helmet. Dude, I don't it's care nice. what you say about the Winter Soldier. There's a lot of aspects of it that are still a Marvel movie. They kill so many good and bad guys definitively in The Winter Soldier. They kill more people definitively in The Winter Soldier than every other Marvel movie combined. And it's not even close. I don't know what happens. You have to show the stakes of violence on both sides. That's why they have Cassian kill a rebel, dude. Cassian kills multiple rebels. He he redirects the bomb with Jin during the, the, the Jedi fight. He kills multiple rebels in that movie. Listen, the way they just filmed that... Was, was incredible. Awesome. It really, awesome. it really felt as if like maybe they won't get away. You awesome. know, this is it. She does it again because Sabine went through the test. They didn't plan the test, Simi. They didn't plan that it would happen or how it would look. But she went through the test in front of the eyes of Bo-Katan, and it's circling back to the beginning of the first episode. And she has that severe but also very complicated and gentle look in her eyes that her sister has. Sabine, I, or Satine, I love. True leaders never want the power. Exactly. It's, that's that what back. Sabine's the been best, saying. The best, yeah. the best leaders never wanted the power. Yep. That's why Michelle Obama won't run for president. Mm. Some people were mad about this. They wanted Satine to be like the queen. I'm like, guys, that's not interesting. We want her back with the ghost crew. Come on, give me a break. Yeah. Dude, if if if, if Katie Sackoff, I could see Tia Sirkar being arrestingly just overly cute in something like The Mandalorian, 
But Katie Sackhoff is a veteran of dark sci-fi properties. To not put her... With, she's the leader, dude. Unless she dies during the war in the next couple of years against the Empire, she's still the leader of Mandalore, as far as we know, after Return of the Jedi, which is when the Mandalorian takes place. Of all the characters, I know I've said I want to see Tia Sarkar, but of all the characters in terms of what makes sense, I, I, I can't imagine not having Katie Sackhoff, as, even though they don't look the same, as Bo-Katan in The Mandalorian. Right? I mean, it makes no... It, like, why would you not do that? No, I mean, I think that would be the goal. I mean, you take success and you run with it, right? <laughs> I mean, when I watch Battlestar Galactica, dude, which aired between 2003 and 2009, I caught up around 2005 and then watched it religiously until the end. Um, and I've seen the episodes a bazillion times. Simi, between 2003 and 2005, we had Revenge of the Sith. We had the Firefly movie, Serenity. And until the Star Trek reboot in 09 and then... Um, uh, 2013 and then Force Awakens in 2015 we never thought we were going to get giant space battles ever again and but what made Battlestar great was not their CGI space battles which even at the time you know looked a little dated but they were so kinetic and using real physics which they don't do in Star Wars like in, in space I mean your spaceship could spin on a dime because there's no gravity so the only thing that's keeping you going one direction is thrust which you can easily change and they have great scenes of you know the Vipers turning 90 degrees and going sideways and like shooting capital ships and stuff which they never do in Star Wars so that's cool and the capital ship battles were cool between the battle stars and the base stars but ultimately it was a military drama and the reason i love empire strikes back and rogue one and star wars rebels is what they're at their best which is usually to me they're like military dramas that's how i see it go ahead yeah i would i would argue that but i think there's also um in star wars there's also more of a love story necessary than a military drama like and there's definitely more of a, I don't know. Battlefront has tons of like, love stories. Some work more than others, but like Hilo and Sharon's amazing. I mean, you haven't even gotten far enough in season four to see how crazy and, and even more interesting Hilo and Sharon gets. I feel like, yeah, I can't necessarily argue that you're wrong. You're just, no, it, it's, you're not wrong. It's just that they, I don't know. I think it dumbs it down to say it's just a military story. You know, that's not uh, what I said. That's not at all what I said. What I said was the sci-fi properties that I have loved over the last 20 years, other than Firefly, um, it, is that it, 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 they tend to be more on the sort of war, uh, you know, um, grunt side of uh, portraying science fiction as opposed uh, to the princesses and the sorcerers slash force users. Oh, that makes sense. Yes, I will run with that. I agree. I That's why I love agree. Solo. And I think it's, it's That's more why I love Solo. Yeah, I mean... And, or if you look at, like, Rose and Finn, you know, like, they're like these... They're not that was, that was a screw-up. They tried to turn Rose and Finn into Disney love story. They should have been continued to be the dirty grunts on the ground who were both, uh, you know, right. But uh, I don't mind that they made out at the end. Like, I don't mind that. I don't mind that. Really? Because I'm the only one that said that, and I believe on this podcast you hated that they made it out of the end. But hey, if you change your mind, welcome to the party. No, no, no. Now I like it, but I was confused. I thought they just threw it in there. That, like... She pecks him. She pecks him. She's half dead. She's like, I love you, dummy. I'm just trying to help. Pecks him. Boom. I just... I I think it's in retrospect now I find it cuter than I found... Because it is... It's it's ill-placed at some level. But, like... 
you still because you don't think that Jin and and Finn are going to end up in everything. I Cassian. Finn and uh, what's oh. his name? I think or not uh, get. Um, I think part I of think the Finn problem is, is with, um, look, look, Simi. I think Finn's gay. Simi. <laughs> I think he's going to end up with um, who's the fighter pilot. Poe. I said no. Oh, Ray's gonna end up with Poe. People are so stupid. They're clearly setting up that Poe and oh, Ray are gonna end up together. Clearly, no one's talking about this. She's gonna pretend to be on Kylo's side. She's gonna kill Kylo. She's gonna have to kiss him, Simi, to sell the lie. But she's gonna end up killing him. Trust me. She, she's gonna do the murder that we all think it's in sh- the Raylos. Dude, people are doing Bendemption countdowns online. I'm like. I, I, even with Jedi Geek Girl, I won't go here, but I'm like, you guys are going to be really disappointed because this is not how J.J. Abrams rolls, especially in his final properties. He's not going to give you them kissing and riding off into the sunset. It's not going to happen. Um, no. But I think like Jon Snow, he's, you know, and look, Simi, here's the thing. People think when I'm constantly bringing up Dune with George Lucas, some of them get defensive. They're like, well, Lucas has never talked about Dune. I'm like, A, you haven't read it read it and get back to me and tell me that he's not influenced by Dune. In fact, I could argue Dune more than Kurosawa and the Westerns and Flash Gordon is the biggest influence on Star Wars by far. And you even have just read the first novel, which is the most important one, can easily see that that's the case, right? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, But um, I do not believe art is ever in a, a... independently invented or created without influence. Anyone who says that is bullshit. All art is influenced by previous art. And so it's a compliment when I say that Dune influenced Star Wars so strongly for someone like me who loves both properties very, yeah, very no, much. And so no for me, hold on. And so it. for me, if Ray kisses Kylo en route to stabbing and killing him exactly like Khaleesi and Jon Snow, especially because both of them were filmed around the same times, man. And so it's actually not a copy in any way that they could have possibly known. But even if it was an homage, to me, that's a compliment if it's well executed. Well, I think actually you just hit the nail on the head. I think she's going to kill him the same way he killed his father. Like the father, like Han was thinking that he was going to give him a hug. Which is exactly my point to me. If I told you six months before you saw The Force Awakens and I said, Simi, I know what happens. And what happens is Han Solo has a son who's an emo punk. And he's going to pretend to come to the good guys with his dad at the end and then kill him and Han Solo is going to fall over the side. You're going to say, I'm not even seeing that movie, right? You wouldn't have even seen the movie if I told you that ahead of time. <coughs> but because I of mean, the performances, even though we hate Kylo in terms of his horrible, evil character, Adam Driver is brilliant. And that is one of the greatest three to five Star Wars scenes ever, in my opinion, which is why I have Force Awakens just below Rogue One of the new movies for me. Yo!